Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. A listener production. Hey, I'm Pro Surfer and mental health advocate Cooper Chapman, and this is Good Humans. On this episode of Good Humans, I'm sitting down with the skydiving, surfing, cliff jumping, Instagram star and lover of life and my best mate, Alex Hayes. Alex is the best example as to why I made this podcast. He's someone who looks like they have the perfect life, but he's worked so hard to get there. From a young age, he was bullied and he was told he was wasting his life. So Alex started on a journey to prove them all wrong. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Alex Hayes. How are you, mate? Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, to be here. We're going to take a spin back through your life and just kind of understand what's shaped you to be the man you are today. So give me a little bit of a rundown of Alex Hayes' growing up life, your connection to the ocean and what sort of values, I guess, your parents instilled in you. Yeah, gr- growing up in um, Sydney, Northern Beaches in uh, Manly, uh, well, Clontarf, but um, I started doing surf lifesaving at Queenscliff Beach. My parents got me into that at a very young age and I'm very grateful that they did that because my respect and love for the ocean was just, was was this there from the, the first day that I ever set foot in there and my dad being a sailor, um, I had the ocean in my blood. So I, I spent quite a lot of years doing nippers and surf lifesaving and then transitioning into to surfing um, which then allowed me to travel a lot and see the world and experience some incredible things and activities. And yeah, I just, everything in my life is always revolving around the ocean. And if, if not, I'm going crazy. I've, I've done trips where I've been away for it, from it for, for weeks and weeks. And yeah, it definitely feels weird. Yeah. I mean, the ocean's obviously very important to me as well. And I think anybody who has that connection to the ocean can attest for that special feeling you get every time you get in the ocean. Do you still get that feeling today when you go in the water? hundred percent. It's just the instant connection with the moment and um, being able to witness what life has to offer at, at this very time right now. And it's, it just, you can't beat it. It's forever lasting and it's incredible. Yeah. So you've had a very interesting, I guess, last 10 years of your life, but we've known each other probably, I guess you'd say as best mates for the last year and a half, two years. I'm interested to get to know you a little bit better in your kind of high school years when we didn't get to know each other. So growing up, once you got to high school, give me a bit of a rundown on how that was being a young pretty boy surfer when you were 12 years old going up and going through high school. Give me some <laughs> give me some high school stories. Um, I don't know how to react to that one. No, no. It, um, school, school was challenging for me. I um, dealt with quite a lot of bullying and quite a lot of um, just social exclusion where I didn't feel involved or didn't feel a part of any groups and didn't really have many close friends. I had, I had good friends, but school was just tough because I was always on the outside or if not just the outside group trying to fit in. So, um, 
got super bullied in early stages of high school. And then when social media came up, as you said, pretty boy, I started putting a few photos up of myself on Instagram and um, Facebook. And there was a lot of jealousy that stemmed from that. And, you know, just being kind of young and even when you do nippers in the Northern beaches and you're not in the cool kind of surfing group and wearing sluggers, sluggers at the beach, <laughs> everyone kind of likes to pay. Out. I was just, I know I was just the, the pinnacle for everyone to put their hate towards at school. And, um, it was, it was quite tough for me. And so going into places like the ocean and training and having that discipline at an early age from surf lifesaving to really connect with myself through training and pushing the mind and body as an individual and connecting with myself really helped me get through those tough times. And, um, yeah, I just look back at school and think it's like some kids are so cruel, but now I'm just like, everyone's just so young and doesn't know what they're doing. High school's not easy, man. I, I remember when I was at school, I had, I was lucky I had quite a good close group of friends, but it was still because I was traveling so much surfing, I never got invited to the parties. I never got invited to go and do stuff. And the excuse was always, oh, I thought you were away. And that hurt even, even though I guess, I, I don't know, all my friends were out of school. And I think that's a pretty common thing for people who are obsessed with the ocean. They find their click outside of school. I mean, that was definitely apparent for me. So I know you went to a school that was pretty I guess rugby and football based. What was what was some experiences going through school? I guess with bullying for you, just all the names, just all the names that people can just chuck around like it's nothing. You know, there is that good old saying: "Sticks and stones break my bones, but names never hurt me." But growing up as a young teen, trying to fit in and trying to find themselves, um, words do hurt, and especially when they're spoken by everyone around you and on social media. So it's it is quite challenging. But yeah, I grew up in an all all. I went to an all boys footy school, private school, and I wasn't really the biggest bloke. I wasn't, I was kind of just like a small kid. I started off in the school choir, you know, wearing speedos at the beach and I was just, I was just doing me. And then when I got a lot of hate for it, I find it, I found it quite hard to understand why. And then I got um, very low self-esteem issues and I lost a lot of confidence through, through that. And I, all I just wanted to do was just kind of fit in. So school for me kind of became like a chameleon, you know, just changing college to fit in. And it, it actually kind of led me into some trouble as well. Just, you know, the first instinct for me to try fit in was to try to be cool. And by being cool, it was by breaking the rules. So I then got into a bit of trouble at school, um, got suspended quite a bunch and uh, got involved with drugs actually at an early age. And then, so I didn't really have the best home life either at that point. So I was in this point where I wasn't really connecting with any friends around me and I had all of my school groups and just like people on social media saying that this kid should go kill himself. What a faggot. What like, what a piece of shit, everything, all the words that you can think of, I was called it. And then going back home to being that kind of dropkick kid with no real direction. I wasn't educationally, um, I didn't really care. I knew I wasn't really going to use it. I knew I had strong beliefs in my ability to achieve things, but I didn't know what. And so I was kind of in this weird stage where I was lost and, um, trying to find myself. But when I would do things that I thought would, would lead to me finding and connecting with myself more, I would get bullied for it. And so that was kind of the situation I was in, in high school that really grew thick skin for me and just grew me as a human being. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you were destined to be a resilient person and the stuff you've achieved in our days, it sounds like through school, it sort of got you ready for life and a lot of people I guess miss out on that and you get that uh, stereotypical American movie of the jock who has it all in high school and then they leave and they don't know what to do with themselves because no one really cares about high school 
Man, bullying sucks. I can I can see the way Alex talks about it and we've talked about it plenty over the last couple of years. And it's um yeah, it's something that really hurts people and it's something that's just overlooked. And I think the way to change it is for people to understand the I guess pain that it can put people through and sticks and stones, yeah, it may break your bones, but mm. words can really hurt. So yeah, little word out there to anyone who's a bully. Don't be a bully. Stupid. Yeah, and and, and don't be a bully, but also just look in the mirror first and if you're not if you're not perfect, you can't blame someone else for not being perfect. You know, we're all on our own journeys. We all have a lot of um, stuff that we can grow and be better at. And so, there's no point trying to pay anyone else out because it just doesn't help. That energy transaction does not give any positive benefit to this world. Mm. You know, and so what what I learned through all that is I actually feels felt sorry for a lot of the kids that not at the time, but now looking back in hindsight, f- feel really sorry for a lot of those kids that were extremely bullied, um, extremely bullying me and um, kind of the, the cool kids and stuff, but they're just lost because they were just reflecting their insecurities on everyone else. And um, it takes that self-awareness to understand that you're not perfect to not, you know, put it onto anyone else. Yeah. It's such a mature way to look at it. I, I just had a weird thought, like the, the science behind being kind to people makes you feel good. It must be the exact polar opposite by being a bully and being mean to someone. Yeah, it must make people feel shit in the long run because it's like really you're just giving people bad energy and making somebody else feel shit. Like the science behind that must be that it makes you feel shit in the long run anyway. So look, looking out for a study about that one day. Mm, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, let's transition. So you've talked a little bit about social media. Anybody probably knows that you've got a big stardom. Let's talk about that transition from high school to the last couple of years of high school turning into, I guess, a social media superstar at quite a young age. What was the initial, I guess, input into social media for you and where did you see that opportunity arise? I started social media. I started Instagram when, um, actually, no, I was on social media at a really young age. I started MySpace just because I was kind of searching for any sort of connection at that point. And so when you're talking to people online, that's, that was a connection. That was a lot of my friendships. And um, so then going into the Facebook and Instagram, I started Instagram with an, like an iPhone, just being an iPhone photographer. That was my thing. Alex Hayes images, iPhone pro photographer. And then um, le- leading into, you know, kind of the older age, I, I'd moved schools. I was in years 10, 11, 12, moved schools. And um, social media was a more used tool in everyone's lives. And I was starting to make little bits of cash here and there, still not really knowing. I was still getting told that I was wasting time and that what I was doing was pointless. Social media wouldn't amount to anything and that I should go to university and everything that I was doing was a waste of time by many, many people in my life. Even my parents, it was, it was very hard for them to comprehend what was going on, but I actually have the most supportive parents and it took them a while to, to turn their uh, perspective around on it. Um, which, which is cool. And, um, yeah, so when, when I left school, I was just to paint a little picture for you about how my perception of life was. I had a low self-esteem. I was just trying to fit in. I was still doing me more so, more so every day because I started to gain more thick skin and I started to give less, less And um, so I, I left school and was straight into this situation where I was either going to be a lifeguard, I was going to get a job and be a full-time lifeguard and, you know, get money and I was, you know, to have a stable job at a young age or I had the chance to go on this one trip and it was to Hawaii. And so I went on this trip and I met 
a bunch of really cool people who were doing social media that introduced me to the world of opportunity, which I called the, the university of life, which was through experience and traveling. And I was addicted and all I wanted to do was travel and learn and grow and meet people. Um, so luckily by then I started to put my thinking cap on and my, my business head on and started to make some money through social media that would allow me to travel and, um, experience a lot of really cool things at a young age. And then moving a little further along down the line, I moved to Los Angeles and I was doing a lot of time there for about two years, back and forth between Sydney and there. And I, I was just like the polar opposite of experiences for me. I was from being extremely bullied in high school and the tall poppy syndrome of Australia to LA to have like, to be in the most insane circumstances where I'm literally living this dream life, meeting the craziest people, doing anything I want and making good money. And it was just, it was really weird for me. And even just to paint another picture for you, for, for me being in school, walking down the street at night, being scared to see a bunch of, you know, big dudes coming my way, like they're about to try kill me or like I've been in situations like that. So then be in a similar circumstance and see a group of guys come on my way and they'll be like, holy shit, that's Alex Hayes. I want a photo with you. And I'm tripping out like with my kind of like where my head was at and all the shit that I've been through, I was like kind of tripping with that. But it, it was all like a learning for me to um, just try react to any moment and be as calm and present as possible. And I, I've tried to take that into my everyday approach. Yeah, that's, it's beautiful the way that you've um, not turned your life around, but you've seen from the beginning almost your vision that schooling wasn't right for you and that there's other opportunities outside, I guess, the set path that society puts on us. It's going to transition nicely into my next little question. Those guys who bullied you kind of growing up in high school, now that you've got this, I guess, dream life and you get to DJ crazy gigs, how do you weed out those friends who were bullies to you back then that come back now? Um, there, there is, you know, there is always that typical story of like people that will just show up on your doorstep after many, many years and not talking to you, asking for a shout out saying, Hey bro, I got a company, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, I, I, I'm not the type of person that will ever, um, fight negativity with negativity. I understand that the people who were the the bullies or the ones who were leeching, they're the ones that need the help the most. So I guess all I can try to do is try show as much support as I can without giving too much of my energy that is, that should be devoted to people in my life that really love me and are my really good friends, you know, so just trying to do what I can for anyone, but understanding that my time is extremely valuable and precious. And I have a lot of really special people in my life that deserve my love, you know, just as anyone and their friends do, you know, Mm. and there is always, especially being in Australia, we do have a bit of a tall poppy, uh, tall poppy syndrome um, problem where people just want to tear you down unless they see benefit in them in for themselves. And then a lot of users and, le- and leeches come. And yeah, it's just it's just the lessons that life gives you. I'm still learning. I'm still understanding people, but through uh, through traveling a lot and meeting a lot of people and being involved in a lot of circumstances where I see people's true colors. I'm grateful to have quite a high understanding of what people's true um, agendas are. Yeah, for sure. And it, I guess it's a great way to build relationships on being very wary of the sort of people you surround yourself with and making sure that the people who are in your life are going to not only add value, but be there for you when those times are tough. And when we're going through those moments in life that are struggles, which 
is so common. It happens to all of us probably many times a year. So it's having those people around you that you know will be there for you without anything in return. Two years ago when we became best friends, there's something that happened in your life and it kind of brought us really close together. And I think it was probably the pinnacle as to why you probably resonated so much with the work that I'm doing and you're doing the same kind of things in different ways in the mental health arena. Why is that so important to you? Oh, geez, it's, it's, um, it's a super important topic for me and it's a super important topic for everyone and that's mental health. And, you know, from being bullied, I dealt with quite a lot of um, anxiety and depression and um, further on down the line, only a couple of years ago, I went to a psychologist because I really needed to get some professional advice and I was in this stage of confusion where, you know, I was, I was seeing a psychologist a bunch in high school and then from leaving high school to living the high life for two or three years straight, like intensity, um, I didn't really get a chance to slow to slow down, and um, and so I got diagnosed with post traumatic stress and um, PTSD, and was told that I needed to get on antidepressants. And it was at that stage where I was still drinking every weekend, I was partying, I was doing a lot of things that are unhealthy, and I I just kind of looked in the mirror and I was like, am I really giving myself the best chance to heal and be the best person I can be by not cutting the bad food off the table and um, just kind of going straight to the, the easy option. So I, I quit alcohol. I started meditating every day and um, looking up practices such as Wim Hof and, and just training, surfing, really doubling down on things that I really enjoy and didn't end up taking the antidepressants. And I was on this journey of um, self-discovery and also just um, my confidence was growing. I was just feeling really good at, good with life and that took me going to get professional advice when I wasn't feeling good to get me to that point. And um, what actually initiated me to go to see that psychologist first up was because I was doing a big paddle known as the Molokai de Oahu World Paddle Championships in July or in 2018 to raise money for a mental health charity named Batir, um, which is a great initiative that's all about breaking down the negative stigma with mental health which is, you know, both of our journeys. It's all about opening the conversation and making it more approachable. And um, yes, because I what, what really led me to start that paddle as well was because I lost a close friend to suicide and it was really out of nowhere. It came from like, it was just like happened one day, like life's all good until something happens. And it was just like a massive shock for me. And um, I've, I've lost quite a few people in my life, but not like not that close to suicide. And it was just like, man, like no one knew, no one, no one could tell. And so I was like, if I have a history of having um, some bad mental health and I'm on this path trying to push um, being aware of mental health, but I haven't actually gotten professional advice, who am I to speak about it? So I just needed to take my own advice and I did and it was great. And so that's why I tell everyone, you know, Talk to your friends and uh, look up ways it'll make you feel better, but you just, professional advice always wins. Yeah, for sure. Professional helps um, always there. And the, the great thing in Australia is we can go to a GP and then we can go, we can get a referral and have 10 free psychologist appointments under Medicare. So anyone listening who feels like they're going through some stuff and doesn't have somebody to talk to, I highly recommend speaking to your GP and going to get some help because that's something that, for one, can help a lot of people. I've spoken to Alex and Laura Enever about it. And there's things that 
there's people that are professionals at making us feel better. So why wouldn't you go and see them? It's like you go to a gym to see a personal trainer. Why wouldn't we go to a psychologist to make our mind stronger? It's the most important muscle in our body. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also just um, it, it's really not that hard when you get there. The hardest bit is, you know, actually pulling yourself to make that appointment and drive there. And because there is a lot of guilt around it. There's a lot of guilt around going to a psychologist. And I know because I felt that. And it's because I live an incredible life. I have a beautiful family, the best parents, the best brother. I live in a beautiful home. I have the opportunity to and freedom to do what I want. Yet I wasn't feeling right. And I wasn't feeling like myself. And there was just a lot of like clouded thoughts in my head that I needed to get checked out. And so there is a lot of guilt around it, but you just got to push through and understand that, you know, everybody has a mental health. As you say, there is a mental health spectrum. You either, like, it's just like a physical health. You either, you're fat or you're skinny, you're, you're in perfect form, you got a six pack or you just got a dad bod, you know, there's a, there's a spectrum of it. And it's just understanding that and there's no guilt behind getting checked out no matter what your circumstances are because mental health, mental illness does not discriminate. So the internet's a very powerful thing. With great following comes great responsibility. How important has it been for you to pass on these skills and to use your platform to inspire rather than just to create? I guess because well, I, I, I kind of, it's, I'm just really passionate about it, to be honest, man. I, I just know that I, I, I wake up in the morning and I have this fire in me that knows that I'm here on this earth to make some sort of positive change and I'm not going to stop until... I'm seeing that and I'm very grateful to be in this opportunity. I'm very lucky to have this platform to be able to share the messages that I desire to share and I do share every day. And um, it it kind of, a lot of it stemmed through when I was really kind of killing it, living in Los Angeles and I was making a lot of money and I was gaining a lot of followers. I was going to all the parties. I was living that life, going to all the clubs, bottle service, like living it. But then it wasn't it for me. It, I was like living this dream life, but then, wasn't feeling it. And so that kind of came down to focusing on my purpose and focusing on living my life through this, the simplest of, of things, whether that be going outside or just going for a swim and not overcomplicating it. Um, going on a bit of a tangent here, but my, my purpose is to, to live every single day like it's your last and to live every single day at the best of your ability, bring up your people around you, just live with that energy that you'd like to be treated in return and just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about sharing what works for me and sharing what works for others through the amazing platforms that we have. Like your podcast, bro, it's awesome. The, the amount of stuff that I've learned through listening and it's, it's a great opportunity for people to put the barriers down to really speak about things that need to be spoken about. Yeah, for sure. I think it's such a such an awesome life that we get to give. And I, I feel so grateful to call you my best mate and get to stand side by side with you watching your project with the daily living, which I'm going to get you to talk about. And then my project with the good human factory. I feel like there's this opportunity right now in our lives to inspire people to take action. And it's so cool to have somebody like yourself. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Next to me and have somebody pushing me to be a better person and be a good human and that's what this podcast is all about, inspiring stories that are going to make people 
hopefully listen and go, you know what, maybe I can make some changes that are going to be positive in my own life, get myself in, get my own mind, get my own body sorted and then use that as a sort of backboard to move forward and get other people's lives better. Because I feel like life is about having that purpose of sharing, giving and making people's lives better because, I mean, what, what more is there to life really? So let's go into the daily living. It's your brand. It's your little baby. What is it? Why did it start? And where's it going? What is the day of living? I guess it's kind of, um, it's this organization or like this brand that I've started that actually started off as my second Instagram back in the day, just to post more stuff that I wanted to post that had more meaning, I guess. And then it, the name just kept striking me as such an opportunity to diversify into so many different areas to spread a positive message message to live every single day. And that's how I like to live. And by living every single day, it doesn't mean not work, not do the things that you need to do. It means just give everything your, your all and really try to push yourself and understand that we are capable of doing so much more than what we have been taught and what we believe that we can do. And it's by putting yourself out of your comfort zone and by following the things that um, kind of scare you, but really make you feel better after doing it that really build us into uh, more instinctive humans to, to just be better and um, push ourselves. And I guess the day living is about that by pushing yourself and um, being as best as you can every single day. Yeah. I mean, there's not much growth ever happens in the comfort zone. So being next to you, we do these little daily adventures quite often and it's, it's a uh, it's really special to be able to have that person that can push you. So anyone listening, I've, I've really put it out there to find that friend that's going to push you to be better and pull you up on your little things that could be better in your life. If you're a messy person and your mate pulls you up on it, don't get snappy. Take advice from people that you trust and have that inner circle that's going to help you grow as a person. When it comes to fear and doing things daily that make you get outside that comfort zone, You've been on some really cool trips this year and I'm ever inspired by them. Can you tell me a little bit about your trip to Shipsterns? Oh, straight to it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I took a trip down to Tasmania early in the year. Um, but a little backstory to that. I, when I was, when I was you know, super young, I always had the dream of being a professional surfer. And although I wasn't the best surfer, I was kind of average, but I just really like wanted to push myself to be better and I was obsessed with it and I was obsessed with being in that level to get on the world tour and um, all that sort of stuff, travel the world surfing because of my connection with the ocean. Um, but then I had an injury when I was like 17 that kind of led me away from that goal into more of a lifestyle approach and all my opportunities and avenues that I can go towards, not just all my eggs in one basket. But um, but fr- from surfing all the time and also being quite confident in the ocean, luckily through surf lifesaving, I was um, excited and I got really um, pumped by going out in the big swell. And I also saw it as a little chance to prove to people, like it was a bit of a f- you. Like, you know, I'm a small kid. I don't play footy. I don't, I don't, you know, play basketball. I'm not your average kid, but I'll go out in the big surf and I'll handle my shit with all respect to the ocean. But like, I love this. I, I love doing this. And so I always had this dream to surf shippies because it's kind of one of the nicest waves in the world. And um, one of my friends, Kip Caddy, has has been surfing there for for many many years, and he's like, dude, like I know you got this, I see it, and um, I knew I got it too. And so I just, you know, really, it's actually pretty funny. It was after a couple months of intense partying this summer. Yeah, you know, I I stopped drinking for a year and a half, and then this summer of 2020, I kind of 
let loose a little bit. It was really fun. Cooper was involved as well. Yeah, I had a pretty good time too. <laughs> we had good a, humans we, can have a good time too. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all balanced. So we had a great time. And then out of nowhere, Kip calls me. He's like, dude, we're on. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, ship is wrong. We're going tomorrow. And I'm like, holy shit, let's go. And so I didn't have a board at that point. I can jump in here. I get a phone call from Alex going, hey, can I borrow a board bag? I'm going to shippies tomorrow. And I laughed at him. We were like, just kind of made the deal that we're not going to drink anymore. We're going to get back onto our training and be ready for... 2020, which didn't really eventuate too much, to be honest. But <laughs> at the time, he was like, can I borrow a board bag? I'm going to Shipstones tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, right, mate. Good luck. Gave him a board bag and then kind of thought, yeah, he'll have a look. He might catch a wave or two. And then I'll let you take back over the story. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> Thanks for the board bag. No, it was, it was an incredible experience. Yes, yeah, so we flew to Shippies. We um, got there late the night before, um, got some Subway and we, you know, because we had to get, lunch for the day after because you're in the middle of nowhere you're at the bottom of Tasmania there's no there's no food anywhere so we have to pack for a full day so there's not only the excitement of the adventure but there's also the um anticipation of holy fuck I'm about to surf ship stands and the swell and everyone's frothing and, and it's freezing and, it, and it's freezing and so you so we get up at 4am we do the 10 kilometer walk down and it's just the anticipation is is insane and I'm like oh my god so I, I get there I meditate I really just try to get into my natural flow and connect with um, myself and my instinct I guess and r- rocked off and started to paddle a few and it was pretty gnarly it was I you know just watched it for a little bit didn't want to rush it um, as I as I said earlier it's really 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 important to be respectful of the ocean you never you're never too good for it it can always turn you on your back in an in a millisecond and so I just got a lay of the wave and got an opportunity to um, tow one of my mates board, Kirk Flinoff, let me borrow it and didn't actually have any straps on it. I had one strap on it at the back and um, that was right before towing. And this, the guy who was towing me um, was like, you sure you want to go with no strap? I'm like, yeah, let's just go. Tell me the story of the guy with the strap. This is a good story for people listening. This Okay, this is also a, a really interesting story because um, – with all the nerves coming from like where I was at that moment, there's so much going on. There's big waves. There's um, everyone getting bombs, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Russell Burke's killing it. Kip Caddy's killing it, and um, so I'm just paddling at this point. And I went to tie my tow board. Oh, my mate Kirk's who let me borrow his board tow board onto a jet ski. And so I went and did that so I can sit in the channel, watch for a little bit, and then I'm out in the lineup. And half an hour later, this guy on a jet ski comes up. He's like, "Who the?" tied the tow board on the jet ski just ding my brand new board and this is like a um one of the, one of the locals there and he was like oh, like mad his brand new board and I was like holy shit my heart sunk you know like the number one thing you do when you go to surf spot is respect the locals and respect it and what I'd done I just f-ed this local's brand new board up and I'm like oh my god my heart sunk instant anxiety instant like PTSD I guess from like being in school to being hated to like like, oh my God, I want to go in. I want to call on a ball and die. <laughs> and then, so just a few, a few deep breaths. Um, time goes on. I actually get away if my leggy breaks and the, the guy um, comes and gets me. And I was like, dude, in that moment, I just looked at him. I'm dude, I'm so sorry. Like, let me transfer you money for the board. I'm going to sort it out. Um, it's all going to be sweet. I'm really sorry. I, I just, I f***ed up. And he was like, oh, like, it's all good. I, I don't think he was really ex- expecting that because I did feel really, really bad. So I just I spoke to him about it, um, ended up transferring the money. And, and that's when he was like, you want a tow? <laughs> and so the guy that um, initially wanted to, to kill me, we ended up becoming 
quite good friends and we had great conversations and he turned me into about five waves. And um, yeah, it was just an incredible experience. I mean, the first wave got an absolute beating. I um, went doubles with Marty Parra, which is insane. Second wave got it, got in the barrel. I was like, oh my God, this is happening. Then boom, wiped out and the, the third wave just happened to be the one. And it was actually, I was in this situation at the top of the wave, whether I should pull off or not, because there's, there's two ledges at Shippies. There's that first one that you need to get over. And I was at the top of it pumping to get over it. And you want to hit that with speed. So I was, I was automatically in like this weird spot. And, um, I remember Kip Caddy told me, I was like, dude, like I was so, so scared for you watching you go pump through that. And so, so I made that section and it was all kind of a blur, to be honest. I, I remember seeing that step, like, this is it. Like, this is the moment. This is, I, I can either um, think about what can happen or I, I can just focus on the moment right now and, and step by step, literally, I just flowed with the ocean, flowed with the moment. And it was just, I'm getting shivers now thinking about it because those moments are what I live for. I've heard that story a few times and I still get goosebumps hearing it. Mm. I remember so clearly messaging you going how you going like how'd you go and you sent me a video of of the wave on the rocks and I was like holy shit who is that that guy's got like the cover of a surf mag like that was one of the gnarliest ones I've ever seen and you're like dude that's me and yeah anyone watching Ty I don't know where you'll find it go on Alex's Instagram Alex Hayes and you'll be able to scroll back a couple months and find a wave of him at ship stands that'll scare the boots off you but man for your first go down there it's so impressive and the mindset and the I just love that story about the guy getting angry at you and the idea of facing your fears and really stepping up to it and going like, you know what, I'm just going to apologize for it. And owning up to your mistakes is such a powerful thing. And that little story in the story is the one thing that I really get a lot out of hearing from you because for me, I hate confrontation. And that's something that I've learned a lot from you is like stepping up to those moments where you have to, you know what I mean, face your fears and Mm. taking them head on. 100%. 100%. Yeah. At that moment, it was either I go in or I man up and and approach my, what I was most fearful in that moment. And I did that and I was rewarded by the, by the universe with an incredible wave and an incredible moment. And now I have some great friends there and I'm just really, really excited to go back. Yeah. It's such a, such a cool moment. I'm, I'm hoping to get down there with you one day. I might be sitting on the rocks the whole time, but <laughs> we'll get down there. On the sticks. On the sticks, on the tripod, filming from the beach. But um, yeah, what a great story that is. I want to get one more story out of you before we wrap this up. You, you mentioned it briefly before. You paddled from Oahu or Molokai to Oahu, which is one of the biggest um, paddleboard races in the world and it's very world renowned. You got second in it to John John Florence. Third. Third. Mm. <laughs> Tell me about that story and let me know how it kind of felt, that preparation, the expectation of the challenge compared to the actual challenge when you were doing it. Mm. Well, it, the, I, it was actually a long goal for me because when I was in high school, one of my um, one of these dudes that I looked up to who was older in the surf life-saving world, Fletcher Davies, he, um, he actually got – kicked out of St. Augustine's because like me, me and him were, were quite similar. We were kind of like, we were, we were not the baddest kids. Like we had good values, but we just got in a lot of trouble. And so he actually got expelled and then came back into the school I was at. And like the next year was on stage doing a speech about this paddle he was doing to raise money for mental illness and mental health. And I was like, I was super inspired. And I really wanted to, to paddle that cha- channel because of me being in self life saving. I knew how, 
insane it was. They actually call it the Channel of Bones because many people have passed away. Like it's it's a serious serious race, and it's just kind of subconsciously been in the back of my head for many many years. And and it took um kind of the 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 spikes in suicide and then losing a friend and being aware that it's um, it's becoming more and more of a problem in today's society. That I was like, I have a platform, I have an opportunity, and I have a plan, and I'm going to commit to it, and I'm going to train for it, and I want to try raise as much awareness and, and money for this cause as possible while living one of my childhood dream experiences. And so the, the training f- for that whole um, race was incredible. I actually teamed up with my, my friend Fletcher Davies, who I looked up to and um, we went over to Hawaii. We, we got the boards, like just the whole thing was, it was a blur. It's a 32 mile race. And um, which is about 60 kilometers. If you take into consideration the, um, tired in the wind and the waves. Like at one point throughout the race, it was like half an hour we we're paddling and weren't going anywhere. And um, so the paddle was just, it, it took us about six hours and yeah, we ended up, did we did end up getting third and we'll head to head with John John, who is an incredible paddler. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was just a dream. It was a dream experience for me as a kid. I had J-O-B as our boat captain um, paddling next to John John Florence, paddling the Molokai to Oahu, and um, there, there was moments where I was out there, I was hurting, I was in pain, I wanted to quit. I was just like, I was going through the motions of the mind's ability to try, like beat you down and tell you your shit and tell you you can't do things. And um, it, it was in, in those deepest and darkest moments of, of, of fear and doubt and um, the, like, I guess the low confidence of being able to achieve what I want to achieve that I really was like, nah, that bit of a David Goggins mindset, callous the mind, the mind is my bitch, hit it with a shoe and you can overcome anything. And um, through just pushing through and overcoming all those negative thoughts, I actually felt this moment of bliss when I was out there. And I remember like having this feeling of like a whole new wave of energy. It was like I'd just been reborn. And at that point um, for the next like two hours, i was paddling the fastest I'd ever paddled before. And I overtook the the team that were in second. It was John John and um, Kona. I forget I forget his name, but he was a really good guy. And um, they were in the lead at that point. And then I, I came back, overtook him and just got in this really, really good flow. And, and it's actually pretty funny because when I finished that race, I looked at um, my phone and at that time that I was paddling, I kind of did a bit of the maths. I got a message from my friend who um, passed away from suicide. I got a message from his mum who sent me a message at 11.11 saying, uh, I, re- I hope you're doing well at this race. Um, just remember to push through. Like I'm sending all my, my love and energy to you. And I, I truly believe that that was the moment that I felt that feeling of bliss and all those negative thoughts were gone. And I just felt at one with the ocean and at one with myself and fully connected able to do anything. Um, and so that was just a very special moment for me. Yeah, dude, that's powerful. I guess you have to put yourself in those situations to get to that, not moment of bliss, but I feel like that moment of, that real moment of struggle and pain is something that's people are cut from a different cloth that can get themselves to that level to break through. And it's possible for everyone. That's the thing that scares me is the human potential and the mind potential I remember giving you, I got super inspired one day. I read David Goggins' 
book can't hurt me who's an american navy seal highly recommend the book and i remember like having it when i finished reading going i have to give this to alex he's going to get so inspired by this and then straight after i gave you that book we went and did a 15k run after you'd never done running and yeah just the, the opportunity to push yourself past those limits that you think are possible and i know you've pushed me at times do you want to tell us about or the listeners about the um, swim we did at the start of the year on a day's mm. notice. <laughs> yeah, well, a little more more of a back. I feel like there's so, we can talk about this shit for hours. That's the crazy <laughs> thing. There's so much that we can talk about. But um, yeah, so I started reading that book and Cooper being more of a runner than me, I'm more of a, a, like a swimmer, swimmer based. He was like, dude, 15K run tomorrow where you're in, you, like you're in. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, all right. So we ended up doing it. That was super sick. And I was like, oh, I, I, can, I can do this. Um. And then payback a couple of months later, earlier this year, um, there was a 5k swim that was on. And this is kind this was right before heading to ship is actually like a week before. Um, so it was, you know, we weren't, it, I definitely wasn't. And I don't think Cooper was either. We were at our fittest point, probably at our lowest. And, um, I said, dude, you're, you're doing this five kilometer swim and Cooper's never swum more than like 300 meters and swimming and, and paddling a surfboard are very, very different. School swimming carnival was the last time I put a swimming cap on, I think, when I was about 14. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I convinced him to get in and he actually really smashed it. And, you know, it's just that mindset of I can do it, not I can't do it. It gives you so much more um, energy and potential to really thrive and um, be instinctive and reach your potential. But another thing I wanted to bring up from reading that book that you lent me, That Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, like he talks a lot about callousing the mind and it's like going to the gym, you're doing chin-ups and you get those little callus on your hand and you push through and your skin kind of goes over it and you, your body adap- adapts to it and you learn that it's actually like, it's fine. It doesn't hurt anymore the more you do it. It's like the mind. You got to callous the mind whenever you are hesitant about doing something that seems a little bit hard. If your, your room's a bit messy and it's 10 p.m. at night and you're about to go to bed and you're tired clean your room, you'll feel better. You wake up the next day, it's a new day, the new new page, not leaving yesterday's problems as today's problem. And it, I, I took a lot of inspiration through that book. And anyway, long story short, um, there was a marathon like in four days and I was at this point in the book where he was talking about marathons and how you, you can do it. And I was like, screw it, sign up to this marathon, four days notice, never um, run more than 15Ks and yeah, kind of kind of just sent it and... There was, there was another deep, couple deep dark moments in that marathon where I was like, what am I doing? Um, it was just oh, like to, to think how hard it was for me to take a single step at one point, something that is so basic for everyone and something that is so overlooked is just a simple, um, simple gesture of walking. I was struggling, I was in pain and it was painful. And yeah, I think I was at like the 38 kilometer mark where that point hit where I was really struggling. And I actually was in a pretty good flow up until then. And then I stopped, had a drink of water and then my, my body froze up and I couldn't really move. And I was at this point where I was like, oh, like, I'm not going to give up. There's absolutely no way. There's no freaking way am I going to give up this marathon. So I, I walked for a bit and then I just I was just telling myself, like, I can do this. You know, I am capable of so much more than what I'm telling myself right now. And I'm going to be an example for showing what you can do with um, controlling your mind and and being an animal, like bringing out that animal instinct to really thrive. 
And so I ended up starting off with a jog again, a slow jog. I was in pain. I actually called mum and just hearing her voice made me burst into tears because I was like so emotional at this point. Called my dad too, same thing. I was just extremely emotional and I was in like this weird trance. If anyone's ever run a marathon, they will, will understand this feeling and pushed through and I, I sprinted across the finish line and I got a time of like just a little bit over four hours in a marathon. And for, for someone who's not a runner and s- suggested by physios to not run because of past injuries to my knees, it was an extreme, extremely great accomplishment for myself. And I'm, I'm stoked to say that I've done that. Life always has another plan for you and life always puts something in front of you for you to overcome as, as I've, I kind of talk about is another level. There's another devil, no matter how much you grow, there's always going to be something that will try bring you down. And it's for us to overcome that, that really gives us that growth to keep going. Ooh, I love that. Another level, another devil. I haven't heard that before. Mm. Why are you keeping that one so close to heart? Dude. Had to podcast with you to get that one out. I like that. <laughs> it's, it's a good metaphor, I guess, for life that whenever you level up, there's going to be bigger, badder people trying to bring you down, especially in, for some reason in Australia, we seem to like to make people's projects of big aspirations feel like they're unachievable. But it's it's great to be surrounded by somebody who doesn't see who looks at it like another level, another devil, and we just got to overcome those things every day. One last question. What does being a good human mean to Alex Hayes? A good human means being completely real with yourself and understanding that your actions do um, give meaning. And if you live with how you'd like to be treated in a positive way, that your your environment's going to be a better place and just giving your best every single day and life is really beautiful. We've already won the lot- lottery to, to be here. And so I just think being grateful for understanding how special life is, is being a good human. Good Humans was presented by me, Cooper Chapman. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.